book of James chapter 4. And we're going to go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, praying for him and for the time that we spend in the word of God this morning. James chapter 4. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, because your word is living and it's powerful. And we ask, God, right now, Lord, that you would put a covering of protection and of healing over our president, Lord. We ask, God, that you would heal him and his wife, Lord. As they're called and appointed, Lord, to lead our country, Father. And that we would be a church of people, Lord, that desires to fear your name, Lord. And to obey your word. And Lord, we obey you in this. We submit to you. But we also ask, God, that you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us from your word. Because your word is truth. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And together we said, Amen. Amen. So we are at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And we're going to end this chapter this morning as we uh, go into communion from verse 13 to verse 17. We know that we have a theme or a constant theme for communion in regards to being rooted and grounded in love. But this morning we are going to take that same theme and apply it to the text that we have before us this Sunday. And we've titled this message, Live Humble in the will of God. If you like taking notes, write that down. Live humble in the will of God. And what we want to do is we want to live humble or we want to obey the will of God in our lives. If you've been with us in the previous weeks, you know that as we were going through the book of James, when we entered chapter 4 of the book of James, we have seen that he's talking about humility. What is he referring to? Humility in our lives. And he says, this is what starts wars, pride, but the cure for wars or the cure for division or the cure for fights is humility. And we want to now humble ourselves before the sight of God that he would exalt us in due time. And we know that humility builds a healthy culture, a healthy climate now in, in the family of God or in the body of Christ. But here from verses 13 or verse 17, he's going to tell us how humility keeps us in the will of God. How humility keeps us in the will of God. Why humility? Because pride always takes us out of God's will. Pride always takes us out of God's will. And just like he started talking about the war with God or our rebellion against God, which is pride, now he's going to talk about the will of God. We've been talking about the war with God, now we're going to talk about the will of God. And here, in these very few verses, he's going to give us a warning regarding self-confidence. A warning regarding self-confidence. And this is such an important warning for all of us this morning, because of the fact that we live in a very self-ambitious or arrogant culture today this entire culture that we live in is very arrogant it's all about self and it's all about pride it's all about what caters to you what you desire and what brings you pleasure and entertainment 
very arrogant in the mentality that we live in today. But here he's reminding us that the life of faith is a life of dependence to God. It's a life of submission to God. It's a life of, of really humbling ourselves and obeying the Lord. A life of living in submission to the will of God. What does it mean to live in submission to the will of God? It means submitting to His timing and submitting to His purpose. Some of us need to hear that this morning. Living humbly in the will of God or living a life of humility in the will of God means that I'm submitting to His timing. It means that I'm submitting to His purpose now. It means that I'm living in submission to what He wants now. And I must do that in humility. Notice the psalmist David in Psalms 25 verse 9 says this, The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he leads in his way. Who is it that God can give direction to? To the humble. Who is it that God leads and teaches His way? The humble now. Those that are clothed with humility. Those that are saying yes to the will of God. Now notice this. If you want to say yes to the will of God, you must be also willing to say no to everything that comes into your life that is contrary to His will. There are often times that we want to say yes to the will of God, but we are not willing to say no to other things that take us away or distract us from God's will for our lives. Just imagine an athlete or a runner, someone that's training for the Olympics that is, that is saying yes to winning, that is saying yes to the finish line. They also have to be willing to say no to a lifestyle of no exercise, to a lifestyle of, of no discipline, to a lifestyle of a, of a bad diet. They have to be willing to say no to all of those things that take them away from the yes of the finish line of winning and of preparation. Now I want to ask you this morning, are you saying yes to the will of God? And are you willing to say no to everything that takes you away from His will? Because there's a big difference between what you're called to do, which is His will, and an opportunity. And in today's world, in today's culture, what we like to do is we're distracted by opportunities now that take us away from the will of God. Do you know that distractions oftentimes masquerade themselves as opportunities and they pull you away from what it is that God really wants you to do? You see, that's why it's important for us to know the will of God for our lives. And notice this, when you talk about the will of God, the will of God is not a bitter medicine that you have to swallow. How many times have you thought, well, well, the will of God means that I'm going to live a life it's not going to be pleasant, it's going to be dangerous, it, it, it means a life that He's taking all joy away from me and all happiness. No, that's not the will of God for your life. Instead, the will of God, it's the gracious evidence of His love for you. Oftentimes we think about God's will and you think, well, this is what it means that I'm going to have to now submit to the Lord. It's, I have to abstain from pleasure. I have to abstain from the good things. The will of God does not take you away from good things. The will of God introduces you to the best things in life for you. And we have to understand that, that the will of God is important. In fact, it is the safest place to be in in the world for your life, right where God wants you in His will. And when you surrender to His plan, you understand that I'd rather be nowhere else than in His will. Because the will of God 
comes, notice this, from the heart of God. The will of God comes from the heart of God. And if this is the will of God for my life, we have to say this, if this is the will of God for my life, then I don't have to be afraid. If this is God's will for your life and what He has for you, notice this, then I don't have to be afraid. I like what Warren Worsby said when it comes to the will of God. He said this, The will of God never leads us where the grace of God cannot sustain us and enable us. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you or sustain you or enable you in that place. But in order to live in that will, we need to be living humbly in His will. I want to go over three major points in this text. Number one, humility produces dependence. Humility produces surrender. And number three, humility produces obedience. This is what's going to keep us in the will of God. Humility that produces dependence, humility that produces surrender, and humility that produces now obedience. Now let's look at how humility produces dependence. Verse 13. He says this, James, to the church, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go on to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Now notice what he's saying. Come you who think that you're going to come and, and say that tomorrow and the next day we're going to plan and we're going to sell and we're going to buy and we're going to make profit. Come now. In fact, verse 14, it says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. <laughs> Notice this. For what is your life? It's a question. It is even a, a vapor that appears for a little time and that vanishes away. What is your life? Isn't your life so short it appears for such a small time and then it is gone away? So now here in verse 13, this is what now James is telling the church. Come on, listen now. Somebody needs to hear this, he's saying. Listen now, now come here, you who say, or you that have your own plans. How, hasn't it been that even in our lives, we can be arrogant at times when we make our plans and we leave God out of our plans? In fact, he's going to remind us that that mentality or that style of making plans is very proudful and it's a sin. And he's saying, I want you to listen. Some of you need to hear this now. Those that you have plans that say that tomorrow or today we're going to go and we're going to do, we're going to make profit, and you're thinking about yourself here, there, here is an evidence now that you have not sought the will of God. Now, why is it an evidence that they have not sought the will of God? Because they haven't prayed about it. They haven't prayed about their decisions. They haven't prayed about the direction that they make. I think it's very important that every decision that we make and when we're seeking direction, we're seeking it in prayer. And we don't make just decisions to what things are convenient because convenient not always means the will of God. <laughs> Oftentimes we think that convenience means the will of God. That safe means the will of God. That doesn't mean the will of God. And we ought to be looking now for direction by the will of God. Come now, you who say that I'm going to buy, that I'm going to sell, that I'm going to make profit today and tomorrow. And he's pointing these behaviors out because the problem here is not the concept of planning. Now we want you to understand this now. The problem is not a concept of planning. The problem here is leaving God out of the plan. <laughs> Have you ever been there where you're planning but you're leaving God out of the plan? James here does not now condemn wise planning. Wise planning is good. 
He's talking about planning that leaves God out. And what's important about this is that, that we are not to live or plan our lives out as if God did not exist. Oftentimes we start to make plans as if God doesn't exist. And we make our own plans, we make our own goals, we make our own aspirations. You know what kind of, what you're saying when you're doing that? Is you're, in your pride, in your arrogance, you're saying, I don't need God to make these plans. <laughs> I can make these plans whenever I want. I can make my own decisions whenever I want. But a life of humility, what he's going to tell us here, is one that lives in a constant awareness and dependence of the will of God. You see, when you're living a life of humility, you're living in constant awareness of God. I have to go into prayer about this. I have to ask God when I make these decisions. When making and taking this direction, I have to know that this is the will of God. I'm depending upon His will. I'm not depending upon my plans. Do you see how this is so important now? I'm depending upon His will, not my plans. Oftentimes we even think success means making plans. Success means arriving there. And once I've arrived, then I've become successful. How do you know that arriving is the will of God there? How do I know that, that buying a house is successful if I bought a house in the wrong place? <laughs> How do I know if, if getting that job with that promotion is success if I got the job that di God did not want me to get? <laughs> do you see how when you're living a life of awareness of God, you're not looking for success of the world, you're looking for God's will. I think it's so sad when oftentimes believers, they make plans and then they ask God to bless their plans. <laughs> Those were your plans. Those were not even God's plans. Why are you asking Him to bless those plans? Or we start to even buy or sell or move or do things without thinking of God's will. And then you pay the repercussions later because you think you're being successful with this job that took you out of a location where God wanted you. You think you're being successful now because God is blessing you with things that eventually take you away from the house of God, eventually take you away from the will of God. That is not living in humility. We have to say the will of God first and everything comes second. And when you're presented with an opportunity, I, I pray that before you say yes to an opportunity, you have to make sure that it's a now calling versus an opportunity. This is what God's called me to. And in the plans that we're living in, the plans that you desire in, notice this, your desires and the plans that you're making, are you seeking those plans out of the will of God? Or are you seeking them out of the will of God? Because when you seek those plans from the will of God, from the will of God, guess what? He blesses now your desires because they're coming from His will. Now notice in Psalms 37 verse 4, write this down church, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. When you're delighting, you're pleasing God, you're not going to go look for something that is out of His will. And your desires are going to come from Him, and He's going to bless those desires, and those desires are going to give you now fulfillment and joy and satisfaction in life. In fact, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Trust Him. He shall bring it to pass when you delight yourself in God. Who are you delighting yourself in? In yourself? In the world? In your plans? 
and then we're going to do this, and then next year we're going to do this, and then we're going to buy that, and then we're going to go there. You know what all that speaks about? Pride, selfishness, arrogance. And he says, somebody needs to hear this. Come now, you who say. And the world wants to give us that mentality. That you're going to go do this, and you're going to attain that, then you're going to buy a house, and you're going to be successful, and you're going to do all these things. Do you notice that all those things can be good things, but they also can be distracting things because we put those blessings before the will of God. Anything that you do in your life, you should be seeking it in the direction of God's will. Anything. Whether it comes to any decision that you're going to do when it comes to leading your family, raising your kids, where you work, where you live, it has to be governed by the will of God. Why is God's will second always? Well, I can move wherever I want. There's going to be a church there. <laughs> or I, I can work wherever I want as long as it blesses me and it gives me more resources or money. How do you know that's where God wants you? And then you pay, end up paying those consequences or the repercussions of it later when it affects your spiritual walk because you stepped out of God's time and you stepped out of God's purpose. Now let's read here verse 14. This is heavy. Whereas, first of all, he's saying... Before you even do that, let's realize this. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. How is it that you are boasting about what you're going to do tomorrow, next week, next year, when you don't even know if you're going to live tomorrow? Notice it says this. You don't know what will happen for what is your life. What's your life? Why do you hold on to your life so, so dearly, so closely? You don't know if you're going to have it tomorrow. And he says this, verse 14, Is it even a vapor now that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? You don't even know how long you're going to live, so be careful. Verse 14, Be careful, for you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is like a vapor or like, notice this, almost like morning fog. <laughs> that you wake up and you see it and then it's gone. Or you're looking at vapor now, and vapor, just like it appears a vapor, you see va vapor, it then it vanishes forever. And in verse 14, what he's saying, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone there. Therefore, we must be very careful as to how we make our plans. Not to if we make our plans, because planning is good, but how we make them. Are they centered around God's will? Are they centered around God's will now? Notice this. Your life is here a little while and then it's gone now. There, it's so important that we realize what this verse is saying because he's saying you're making, all of, you're making it all about the vapor. <laughs> and the vapor goes by and vanishes very quickly. Have you ever tried to invest in vapor? Why would you not do that? Because it's gone so quickly. You would never put your attention on vapor. You wouldn't live for the time of duration of vapor. And oftentimes we live for the very small moments, like today, instead of living for eternity. Do you see that eternity, the will of God is all about eternity? Because the will of God is preparing us, the will of God is preparing us to one day meet the Lord and Him to be able to say, well done. You want to be faithful to the Lord? You can't be faithful to the Lord if you're somewhere else where He has not called you to be. 
How are you going to be faithful if you're doing something that He didn't call you to do? You can't be faithful when you're busy doing something that God didn't tell you to do. Now, let's keep reading here because even, and I'm going to give you this verse before we move on, that comes from Proverbs 27, verse 1, that says this, Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what the day might bring forth. Have you ever been so confident about tomorrow? In fact, this verse speaks about the year we're living in. How many of us had plans that had to rearrange our plans? How many of us maybe had a vacation set up? Had plans for the summer? Had plans earlier on this year that those plans didn't take place? <laughs> and guess what? God is taking us through a different season and we are submitting to what His will for our lives so that we can be attentive now and receive what He has for us. You know that oftentimes we make plans and we don't even know if those plans are going to come to pass. And we have to, uh, with, with, with an open hand, with an open hand now, be, be now administrating or be stewards of the plans that God has given us. Because at any moment, God can remove those plans and, and change the plans for us. That's why we have to be so humble. You know, when you live a, a life that is proudful, you know what you do? You get frustrated, you get disappointed. But when you're in God's will and you're confident about being in God's will, notice what it does. You are never let down. Why aren't you not let down? Because you're in the center of the will of God and you can be confident every single day. Because God knows the future and you're living like a missionary. I don't know what God has for me today. And yes, we have these plans and God is leading us this direction. But if God so chooses to change it, we'll just follow him wherever he wants to go. And we're trusting God in faith. You see, life is not uncertain to God. People are so fearful right now because we're fearing the future and of uncertainty now. We're so scared because it's uncertain to us, but it's not uncertain to God. And only when we are in God's will, we can be confident of tomorrow because He's leading us. See, we're approaching tomorrow. We're approaching every plan that we have with confidence because it is Him who leads us. So what does humility do? Humility produces dependence. We are depending upon His plans. But also humility should produce surrender. Verse 15, notice this. Instead you ought to say, before you say what great plans you have, keep in mind, say this, live with surrender. Humility produces this now mentality now and that you're able to say, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, God willing. And just imagine how more peace you would have in your life if you lived with those two words, God willing. <laughs> you would live with so much peace. Because you would live with the peace of knowing I'm living in God's will. God willing. And you know that, that the Lord is going to lead you as you're surrendering to Him, as you're being obedient to Him. You know what the Lord is going to lead you into His will. And you know, if, if, if God didn't lead me that direction, then that wasn't His will. And I am happily able to submit and to obey to the will of God. With joy, I obey and I follow His will. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, verse 15, we shall live and do this and do that. And we're not going to become arrogant or self-dependent now on what you do. You're going to submit everything, every desire that God has given you that is coming from His Word, that is coming from His will. You're just going to submit it back to His timing. 
Lord, you're giving me this desire. I'm living in your will. I submit this desire back into your timing, and I'm not going to be discouraged um, when you give it to me because I'm in your will, and in your will there is perfect timing. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that you got discouraged because of timing? But if it's God's will, why are you discouraged? You're in His will. I had a pastor one time tell me, Art, why are you discouraged about it? You're just in the will of God. And if you're in His will and you're living obedient, then His timing for you is perfect now. Don't be discouraged because of timing. His timing is perfect now, and His timing, notice this, will never let you down. His timing won't let you down now. In fact, what He's saying here in verse 15, it says, realize when you say God willing or if the Lord wills, you know what you're doing is you're realizing who truly is in charge and who truly is in control. You are approaching everything carefully now in a way that you want to please God. Approaching everything. I want to please God with this. So I'm going to carefully say, if God wills, we're going to do this. And when I, I talk about my plans, I'm going to carefully share them so that God gets the glory. <laughs> there are two ways to share your plans. There's one way when you share your plans and you get all the glory, or there's another way that you share your plans and God gets the glory. Do you see how when you live a life of humility, you're approaching everything with an attitude of humility and you're putting everything back into the hands of God? In Proverbs 19, verse 21, Proverbs 19, 21 says this, There are many plans in a man's heart, many plans in a man's heart, or many desires. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. You can say you want whatever you want, but God, what God wants, that's what's really going to stand. So why not live there. You can say whatever you want to say. You can try to do whatever you want to do. But if you're in the will of God, that's, those plans are the ones that are going to stand. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you. So Lord, we submit our heart under you. We submit, Lord, our plans, our minds under you. Lord, we want to live a life that is fully submitted to God. Look at Paul's example. Paul's example in Romans 1.10. You know what he said? Romans 1.10, he says, making requests by some means now that I at last may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul is saying, I want to come to you, church in Rome, but I'm going to find a way, notice this, I'm going to find a way in the will of God to come to you. <laughs> I want to come to you. I want to see you. I'm going to find that way to see you. It's only going to be in the will of God. Because if God's will does not want me to go there, then I'm just not going to go. <laughs> I want to come, but I'm going to find that way in the will of God. I'm going to look for that in the will of God. I have a desire, but I'm going to go look for it in the will of God. And if it's there, I'm going to come to you. In Acts 18, 21, we see this in regards to what the disciples and Luke and Paul did. Acts 18, it says, but... They took a leave of them saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you. Look at this, what he said, Paul. God willing, and he sailed from Ephesus. I'm going to come back, God willing. So that means this, that where I go, it's going to be God willing. And when I come, it's going to be God willing. Wherever I go, it's going to be God willing. And whenever I come, it's going to be God willing. Do you see how this is so important now? Because the only place that you want to be is in the will of God. And, and you become so confident that then you say, if this is not God's will, if Lord, if, this, if you don't have this for me, if this is not something you have for me, 
then I don't want it. <laughs> because I just want what you have for me. If this is not, if you don't have this job for me, God, then I don't want it. Think about the confidence that you can have as you're going into an interview. <laughs> Think about what the confidence that you can have as, as you're going every single day to work or as, as you're looking for direction for your family or as you're looking for decisions that you have to make, very difficult decisions, that you can say, Lord, if this is not something that you want for us, then Lord, then we, just, we don't want this then. Because we just want to be where you have us, where you want us. This is imperative here, and this is important that we realize this. Now, some of us will ask ourselves, how can I find out God's will? You're talking about the will of God. How do I find out what the will of God? God's will for your life. God's will for our lives, it's revealed in the Bible and in prayer. You will never be able to discover that will. We're talking about the will, but you'll never be able to discover that will outside of the Bible and outside of prayer. If you haven't sought the Lord in prayer about it, if you haven't sought the Lord through His Word about it, then you shouldn't make that decision. <laughs> you shouldn't make that decision. You shouldn't make that decision and say, now we're going to pray about it, and now we're going to seek God's Word for confirmation. You've already made the decision. <laughs> you want God's will, you want confirmation, go in prayer and go in the Word of God. Notice this, and most people now ignore the Bible... When the Bible is the one that guides us with promises, with precepts now, with now principles to teach us what His will is, and that's the very thing that we ignore. We're looking for direction. There go. Look in His promises for direction. Look in His promises for principles. Look in His promises for those, those precepts that you can hold on to that lead you now in the will of God now. Because otherwise, verse 16, notice this, but now your boast, or how you boast, in your arrogance, no. The way you boast is in arrogance. This is what he's saying. And all such boasting is evil. If you don't live your life God willing, then you're living your life in arrogance. What I want. What appeals to my pride. Your boasting is very arrogant. Your boasting is very proudful. You're, you're making plans now in a very proudful way. In fact, you're saying that you're in control when you leave God out of it. You're saying that you're in, and that you know enough and that you don't need God. Just imagine trying to live that way. I don't need God to make these plans. So, so now you're saying that you're in control, that you're in charge now. And when you think that you're in charge, you might be able to live a life that brings you temporary satisfaction or happiness. But notice this. God's going to remind you that you're not in control and that you're not in charge very quickly. He will remind you that. Because we think that we can make any plan that we want. God's going to say, well, oh, is that true? That you think that you're in charge? You know, this kind of lifestyle is very proudful. It's not good. And that pride corrupts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says this, your glorying or how you're boasting about these things is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? Don't you know that a little bit of pride in your life corrupts your entire life? Don't you realize that? That when you make plans this way, you're living in a proudful way, and, and that alone corrupts everything else in your life? In fact, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, if you're going to boast about anything, if you're going to glory about anything, let him glory in the Lord. <laughs> when was the last time you boasted about that? If you're going to boast about anything, glory in the Lord. 
How can you glory in the Lord? You can be living a life of satisfaction in God. You can be giving a testimony. You can live in obedience by glorying in the Lord. We're just so content to be in His will. And we don't want to be anywhere else. We're, we glorify God for what He has for us. We, re, we receive what He has for us. How many times God has something for you and He shows you that's His will and you want to resist it. Lord, I don't want that just yet. <laughs> because that's not comfortable. Because that means I have to give up certain comforts. Because it means that your will for me means that I serve you. And if I have to serve you, that means commitment. That means a lot of sacrifice. Lord, I don't really want your will that much. Or maybe you accept God's will in one area of your life, but there are other areas of your life that you don't want to submit to His will. Do you see why we have to be fully submitted to the will of God? And now when He's revealed His will to you, now that He's revealed His will to you, you know what humility does? It produces obedience to His will. It's not important only that we get revelation of His will or confirmation of His will. What are you going to do now that you know His will? What will you do with it? Because in verse 17, it says, it's going to tell us that humility produces obedience. And he says, therefore, now, with that being said, now, now that we've explained how important it is to live in the will of God, we are going to be accountable to His will. The meaning of His will is, is down this path or along one path. We are going to be accountable on how we lived on that path, on that time, on that purpose, on His plan. Because it says, therefore, to Him who knows to do good, or to Him who knows to do His will, or to Him who knows what the will of God is for their lives, this is an amazing verse here, it says, and does not do it, and doesn't do the good or God's will that God has called him to do it, to him it is sin. Wow, this is amazing. You see, a lot of times we talk about sins of commission. You know what a sin of commission is? It's something that you committed. That's a sin of commission. I went and I stole something. Sin of commission. That's what I did. I did an evil act. I sinned. I stole something that doesn't please God. That is a sin of commission. I committed that sin. There are also sins of omission. Sins of omission. And I hope you're listening to this church. Sin of omission is something that you know you must do, but you don't do it. <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't do that. And I know God is calling me to do it. To know what God wants you to do and you not do it, notice this, that is also a sin. To know that God wants you somewhere and you're not there is a sin. To know God's called you to, to maybe serve at a certain capacity and you're not serving there, it's a sin. To know that God wants you to love someone or to, or to go out and to share Christ to someone that He's placed on your heart and you don't do it and you keep putting it off, that is also a sin. Notice this, delayed obedience is just as bad as disobedience. Delayed obedience, it is just as bad as disobedience. Therefore, remember, to him who knows to do the will and does not do it, that is neglecting God's will, it's a sin. Now, what does this teach us that when you know, maybe you're seeking, but then you know what God wants from us, what God wants from you, when you know it, you need to do it. Because you know now. <laughs> and you're accountable to that, that you know God's will. You need to do it now. In fact, what this speaks about is, a, is of a person that knows the will of God but chooses to disobey it. 
that's God's will for my life, but I'm going to go this way. Do you remember who did that in the Bible? Jonah. <laughs> what, did you, what did the Lord tell Jonah? I mean, Jonah, we think it's a kid's story. Why would it be a kid's story? <laughs> it's a story for everyone. <laughs> we think it's a kid's story because it involves a big fish or a whale. <laughs> it's for everyone. God told Jonah, Jonah, I need you to be in Nineveh. God's, uh, then Jonah's heart was hard, rebelled against God's will, rebelled against Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. What happened there? We know what happened there. There was a storm. And sometimes we find ourselves in storms now that God never intended for us because we're outside of His will. God wanted you to go to Nineveh. I don't care if you don't want to be a Nineveh. Your heart must be willing and surrendered now and go where God wants you to be. Well, my heart is so hard because I just need a break. Well, my heart is hard because I don't want to go there. I don't like the people there. I know it's a far journey. Thinking about I. Do you remember when, when even when the pro prophet Jonah went to prophesy in Nineveh, and many came to the Lord, and then he went and he was looking for shade? What did he start to do? He started to complain. Be careful you're not complaining against the will of God either. That you are not complaining against the will of God. My goodness, this is God's will for my life, complaining every day in Nineveh. Can you stop? <laughs> I pray you don't find yourself on a boat to Tarshish when God has called you to evangelize at Nineveh. This is important here. Because the person who knows the will of God is worse, who chooses, who knows it and chooses to disobey it, is worse than the person who doesn't know it at all. You're going to be held accountable now because you're rebelling against the will of God. And notice what it says in verse 17. It is sin. <laughs> Three words. It is sin. To not do, to not be, to not obey what God wants me to do, it is sin. You know what we ought to do? Lord, I'll do Whatever you ask me. That's being surrendered to His will. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me. I'll obey regardless of the cost. I'll do whatever you ask me. I'll obey regardless of what it's going to cost me. You know what that means? That looks like a life of surrender now. What happens to the believer that chooses to disobey the will of God? They find themselves in a lot of storms always. And it says in Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 12, that the Lord will discipline and chasten those that are out of His will. The loving hand will not let you get out of His will without chastening and disciplining you because He wants to bring you back in the will of God. And the evidence of, of the chastening, it's not, God's it's not God's hatred, it's God's loving hand and righteous anger that is bringing you back because it's a serious thing. Notice this, please. It is a serious thing to disobey the will of God. The will of God is a loving relationship between you and the Father, and we must live in that loving relationship. I don't want to live anywhere else. In fact, think about what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. That's my food. <laughs> the disciples came to Jesus, found Him talking to a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. They said, Jesus, are you not hungry? We brought you food. He said, I already ate. What would you eat? Who brought you food? And Jesus said, you guys don't get it. My food, my nourishment, where I get my strength from is the will of God. 
What do you do when you get hungry? Where do you go in the house? You go straight to what? The refrigerator. You open it up. Man, what do I have to feed me? When you're hungry for things in life, go straight into the will of God. Open it. What does God have for me? <laughs> what does God have for me? Because anything that I'm going to get nourished from is going to be from His will. I just want to get it from there, from the will of God. It's going to come through prayer and Bible reading. Prayer and Bible reading, right? You can't be faithful if you're living in disobedience. And I want, to, I want you to encourage you with this. With, with what we don't know, with what you don't know, you might not know many things in life, but what you don't know, you trust God with. I don't know this. I'm going to trust you with it, Lord. With what you don't, you trust Him with it. And with the things we do know, we obey. <laughs> with what you don't know, you trust God with. And with the things we do know, we obey. Trust and obey. You're living in the will of God. Now I'm going to give you five different points as we end what the will of God does. Or what happens in the will of God. Number one, wisdom comes in understanding God's will. You want to be wise? It, it, wisdom comes from understanding God's will. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, do not be unwise. Don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5, 17. Write that down, church. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wisdom comes from understanding God's will. Number two, His will gives us discernment and His will gives us direction. What is discernment? Discernment is good judgment. Discernment means that that's not God's will. I'm not going to go there. His will for our lives or His will gives us discernment and direction. Write this verse down. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason, since... The day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge, notice this, of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We want to know His will. We want direction. We want discernment. His will for our lives gives us now discernment and direction. Number three, His will for our lives means obedience and it means holiness. What does His will mean? It means obedience and holiness. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and the acceptable. Notice this, the perfect will of God. Not the permissible will of God where you get away and He has to pull you back in. It's the perfect will of God. His will means obedience and holiness. But notice verse 4. I, I love verse 4 because it talks about almost the story of Jonah. His will must be done from the heart without complaining his will must be done from where the heart in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 6 it says don't do God's will with eye service as man pleasers but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from where from the heart I'm pleased to do his will I'm not complaining I'm pleased to do his will and number five he hears us as we ask according to His will. He hears us as we ask according to His will. Do you see how His will is so important? In, 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 in John, it says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says here, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. 
I have confidence that when I'm praying, I'm asking according to His will, He hears me. The Christian who knows, who loves, and who obeys His will will enjoy God's blessing. The Christian who knows, who loves, and who obeys God's will will enjoy His blessing. Now notice this church. This life may not be the life that is always easier, but it's the, it's the life that is always holier. It's a life that lives a life of obedience. Obedience. The will of God means one thing, obedience. The will of God means humility. To what God wants for you. The Father wants for you. We're going to talk about communion right now. And before we serve communion, just imagine and think about how Jesus the Son was submitted to the will of the Father. What did Jesus say in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. Do you see that? how that, that's amazing now? Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. All the way up to the garden, all the way up to the cross, from, all the way up to the death, it was to the will of the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul tells the church in Philippi this. And it speaks about the cross. He says this, and being found in appearance as a man. Being found in appearance as a man. What did Jesus do as a man? God became flesh. And the Son, Jesus, what did He become? A man. He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What did Jesus do? He humbled Himself and became obedient. He humbled Himself and became obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient to the will of God. Even, even, even to the death of the cross. I love how it uses the word even. Well, yes, I'll humble myself and I'll obey this and I'll obey that, but even to the death of the cross. <laughs> even when it costs you your life. Even when it costs you absolute, complete surrender. Even when you ask me for that, Lord, even when you ask me for what I love the most. Now this is so important here because today we're called to humble ourselves and to obey God. What do we pray this morning before we take communion? Because there are some of us that need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves to God's will. We need to humble ourselves to what God wants. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Because you make your will evident to us. You make your will very clear. But I pray, Lord, after you've made it clear to us that we would obey it. that we would trust you and obey because there is no other way. And there are some of us here, Lord, that we've come to humble ourselves. And obey even to the death of the cross, even to where we go to the cross and we say, Lord, it's your will, not my will. And before we take communion, we want to live in his will. 
We don't want to complain in his will. We don't want to rebel against his will. We don't want to resist his will. And we know that your will, your word tells us that your will is that we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow you. I pray, Lord, if we've allowed anything to get in the way of your will, that you would remove that. So there are no hindrances. There are no hindrances of what you have for us. If there's anybody here that just needs prayer in the area of God's will for their lives. Maybe you've been living outside of his will in disobedience. Or haven't done something that God has called you to do and the word of God says this is sin. And you want right now to make things right with God before we take communion. Just raise your hand because you want to make things right with God. I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand back there. I see your hand in the front. Praise God. I see your hand in the back on the side. This is something we all struggle with. The will of God. Lord Heavenly Father, you've seen these hands go up, Lord. Hands that are saying, I'm ready to surrender. Hands that are saying, I need you. There are many hands that are lifted this morning. We ask God that you forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus, for our disobedience. Forgive us for our disobedience because we need you, Jesus. We need you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to obey. Wherever you're calling us to go, whatever you're calling us to do, give us the courage to obey to your purpose and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen.